0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, because we live. We, live. we
1: live. I'm running a little flustered here today. I just got beat down in top golf trying to come back and get to the show as quickly as possible and it was hot out there and those clubs are short and I'm balling at a 90 degree angle and I'm a little flustered right now trying to get back all my thoughts together trying to make sure everything is running smoothly here but I just got beat down to be honest with you at top golf it was not pretty Well who beat you Well first off Bobby is very good so Bobby Rozinski, again co-host on the Wake Up Call. Very good. Just nothing you know electric about him, but he's going to hit it straight and he's going to hit the targets as he uh, very accurate.
2: This was a work thing.
1: This was a work thing. Yes, we yes working very hard. Obviously going to gol- uh, top golf, but <laughs> no, we went we went to top golf. Had, I guess you know I don't wouldn't call it team building, but we were there just hanging out. No, it's team and, building. Yeah, cause, sure. Because they can build on basically it waxing better. you. It sounds better, Ooh. right? And everybody, well, that I can't even I can't come back from it because I, I did get waxed and uh, and it was hot, man. Like it's hot out there. Top golf is really cool, though. You guys ever been? Yes. I have. It's fun. It's fun. I'm not very good. I don't know if you guys have any game. Do you guys, are you guys good at all? I'm better than you. That's all <laughs> well, I need to know. Uh, I, I, you know what? I, I want to <laughs> test this out. We need to have our own team building here. I want to get all three of us to go to top golf. Designate the
0: time. Literally, (laughs) designate the time, and I will designate a proper
3: ass-whipping
1: for you. I I want to bring us all there, and for some other team building, we can also bring on David Walker, just as we are going to. Now, David, how are you doing today, man?
3: I'm good, man. I was thinking maybe we could sample some of these top thirty beers while we're out there too. Not on an official work event, but maybe another time we can do that.
1: Well, I mean, if if Doug is down, then I would be down as well to maybe get that list, see what kind of top Charlotte thirty beers there are. How have you liked the thirty beer list though, Doug or David? I know that there was one beer I think you tweeted out that you were not happy how low it was. You thought it <laughs> should have been higher. Is there has there been any other problems that you've had with the beer list?
3: I was waiting for the Juicy J rating, and I knew it would be too low for me because I've fallen in love with that over the last uh, I don't know a couple months, and it's pretty popular these days. But maybe it's a little too you know Johnny Come Lately to be to be that high up on the list. Everything else has been delightful. I I particularly enjoy when Doug highlights one that won't be available for five to six to seven months,
1: which is everyone. Everyone won't be available for a long time.
0: Now I got to David. I got to ask you because we're talking about this list right now. Mm. Isn't the jalapeno pale ale a little too high?
3: Like it's ranked, you don't like it that much? No, it's not or, that good. Like you? for it to be top 15
0: of all, of all, all the Charlotte beers, it's a little too high.
3: Yeah, I know a lot of people who really like that one. I'm not a huge fan of that one. I'll have it every once in a while, but it's usually if something else is out. So I'm probably with you on, on that one, Nada, but, you know, it tastes very. And some people like a little jalapeno no, It's, it's only my taste everywhere. that matters. It's the only one. <laughs> Go
2: ahead. I feel like there's a little confusion with the list that I made and also stole from Matt McKenzie. There's a little confusion in that this is not the uh, 30 favorite beers of David Walker. This is not the 30 favorite <laughs> oh. <laughs> beers of Nada Edwards. It's not? These are the 30 best beers in Charlotte of all time whenever they are available.
1: <laughs> well, let's go to a list that is synonymous with the best and just basically David Walker's opinion. It's all about sneakers. If David likes them, then I'm pretty much going to go ahead and say those are the best. If his opinion likes them the best, then I'm going to say those are wow. the best. And yeah, it's I praise David, but you know what? Wow. We were talking about Sneak of the Week, and we're going to bring that back weekly during the regular season. And it's impressive to see you on Twitter discuss whatever shoe was released, give an in-depth Conversation about it or give an in depth analysis about it. And it's impressive. And so now I thought it'd be fun to have you on the show today with the NBA loosening their color restrictions on the sneakers that every single player gets to wear. And for the first time in league history, as Nick DePaula wrote for ESPN, and we'll get to his podcast with Chris Kroger later. That for the first time in league history, the NBA will allow players to wear sneakers of any color at any point during the upcoming season. And the rule change is part of the NBA's ongoing effort to allow its players to be expressive on the court. Now, what's crazy about this story is I click on it and the picture as the ad, as the, as the one thing you can click on to open up the story, it's a sneaker with Homer Simpson on it. At least it was for me. <laughs> Don't. And I'm all in. <clears throat> I'm all in if people are going to be if people are going to start wearing Homer Simpson sneakers on this, I'm all in with this and I think this is a fantastic rule David.
3: Yeah, one interesting thing on that, I'm glad you brought up the Homer Simpson and like the third party logo portion of this rule because it sounds like that's where they're still going to have a little of the restrictions in place. I think Nick in that piece mentioned that, you know, some of these third party logos or even like blogs, websites things that weren't necessarily pre-approved made their way onto court. I don't know if Homer and like video games would fall under that category, but it feels like that's they're still going to put a little restrictions around that, but everything else is pretty much going to be fair game. Uh, for me though guys, like it feels like it's been that way for the last couple of years anyway. I mean, another thing Nick mentioned was that LeBron wore like 51 different pairs of shoes during the season last year. Uh, which I was a big fan of. They did a great job telling the story about some of his favorite athletes growing up and the way they were able to manipulate that shoe to make it look like, you know, some of the old favorites was really cool. But the thing you mentioned off the top walker is the big thing about this for me is that there, this is another level of the NBA saying we're going to let the players express themselves, you know, show them what they think is cool. And, and it's another part of the NBA being kind of ahead of the curve. As far as the leagues go, Jalen Rose mentioned something about that, you know, them being allowing the players to express themselves as another cool way. And I'm all for it. Uh, Having crazy colors on the shoes is something they've kind of dabbled with, certainly at All-Star Games. But like I said, I mean, LeBron wore tons of different ones. Kyrie wears like a different pair every night, too. Um, So now I just think they're using this platform to say, hey, go ahead. Go crazy, do what you want.
1: And again, we'll just clarifying that rule, the league will continue to look closely at any third party logos, as you mentioned, David, as last season saw everything from non-approved movie cover artwork, which I would imagine mm-hmm. probably extends to TV like Homer Simpson, to podcast logos, to charity oh. organization icons, sneak <laughs> out of the hardwood. So damn it, we can't get our logo on Marvin's shoe or anybody else's man. That would be awesome for us to get a little S- bit especially of
2: Especially not Frank's shoe. Yeah, I right. Well, Frank, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Probably not gonna get that one. Frank's probably not gonna rep us there on the court, uh, but at least now it's because of the NBA, not because anybody doesn't like us a whole lot. So now going to this rule a little bit more in depth, David, just reading through Nick DePaula's article on ESPN about this anything else stand out to you or was it just pretty much that the relationship between the NBA and its players has really blossomed once again and understandably I think the third-party logos are probably restricted because you get a little bit messy once Mm -hmm. you start to market those things but I just think it just when you start to think about why restricted in the first place even cleats on the football field just as far as color schemes go You know, what legitimate good reason do you have from holding back some crazy colored sneakers or some crazy colored cleats? And the NBA, I I think it's just hard to come up with a legitimate good reason to do so. And here's the NBA finally saying, you know what, look, wear whatever you want, as long as it's approved with no marketing scheme on it. I'm I'm cool with it.
3: Yeah, and I don't know if it's going to be like a season long thing where it's just every night people are coming out with, you know, crazy colors. I think at the beginning you may see some guys go, you know, like the all-star game and, and get some cool stuff out there. And obviously, you know, Nike and Adidas and any of these shoe companies are going to take full advantage of this, right. And just be producing stuff that is going to draw people's attention, try to do it on a night to night basis. But I think the article said that the NBA wants to have basically all the shoes approved for, you know, through the year by like December or, or some earlier point in the season. So a lot of these things are going to have to go through the proper channels still, um, but like I said, I mean, you know, like uh, PJ Tucker, Swaggy P, these guys are wearing crazy shoes that you never would think people were going to play basketball in already. It feels like they were just tied a little bit as loosely as they could be to the, the team colors. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing is they're just opening this up. It's another platform for Nike, Nike in particular, probably being a partner with the league on the uniform front to have a a platform where they can show off some cool stuff. It'll be interesting to me to see like how Puma jumps in on this because they got a lot of attention signing these young guys in the class. They, they, they intentionally went away from the signature sneaker, which again, Nick and and, and Chris Kroger talked about on his podcast was that the sneaker signature or the signature sneakers are so popular right now. So many guys are wearing that and Puma We've only seen one silhouette from them so far. Um, It's it's a knit upper, so they could do a bunch of stuff with it. But, you know, that seems like it's going to be the game now. Like, who can produce the craziest colorway? Who can can catch the most eyeballs? Who can get the most likes on Instagram? And, you know, they're going to have an uphill battle with these young guys anyway. And and drawing some attention for their new product out there, especially in their first year, uh, it could be tough. How do you like Puma shoes so far from what you've seen, David? You know uh, – Oh, you're not a fan. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Um, again, it, it's pretty basic right now to this point, and I don't know what they would have to do. I haven't seen it in hand or anything like that. I've just seen it on court. I didn't think it was the best look that you know some of their main guys – had to basically take a break from wearing them uh, during summer league because they couldn't get their sizes figure out. Not like a huge deal, but if you're looking to make a splash, maybe not the best first impression. And so I, I do see they've got some WNBA players wearing it as well. So like I like the aggressiveness of it. Obviously, I like these guys being able to capitalize and, and get some good contracts from these shoe companies. But it, it takes a lot to jump into that arena, I mean, especially when you've got Goliaths like Nike and Adidas and even Under Armour coming on with Steph stuff. Uh, For them to make a splash and betting a lot on rookies who we, you know, could go either way, it's tough.
0: All right, David, I got to ask you because I know you've seen at least the LeBron pick on Instagram of the 16s, Soldier 16s for Mm -hmm. LeBron. How many colorways do you think we see this season out of him, over Uh, or under 51?
3: I think they got to max it out. They got to go over because uh, DePaul has said they are going back to that, uh, theme like they did last year, playing up on some historical LeBron shoes and some of his favorite stuff. So you got to think that's going to be like, uh, an, again, another flying at uppers where they can basically manipulate it and how they want it to look. I mean, I, I think with this rule, especially with this rule in place, you could see multiple pairs in a game. Uh, you could see, I'm sure somebody will do like a quarter, uh, a shoe. Uh, he's going to go way above. I put that on Harden. I got to think.
0: I think Harden
3: does that. What like switching up in game or or, or from quarter to quarter? Yeah, I I think think some guys are going to do that, too. It's going to be crazy. It's gonna be fun right out of the gate, you know, but like, like I said, I mean, logistically, like how many I guess they could take as many shoes as they want to on the road, but I'm sure there's only so much space for the equipment guys and whomever to, to pack this stuff up. So I don't know. We'll
1: see. David Walker joining us now on Locked on Hornets, uh, part of the Locked on Hornets podcast with our weekly feature, Sneak of the Week. Also, you can find him on Twitter, at David B. Walker. David, real quickly, uh, you listened to the podcast with Nick DePaula being featured on Chris Kroger's podcast with the Charlotte Hornets. What was the number one thing that stood out to you in that podcast or something that you found particularly interesting?
3: Yeah, they talked a bunch about how Nick got started and how he carved out you know, the, a place for himself in like the NBA and the sneaker and the journalism world. That was pretty interesting. But the one thing Hornets related, especially that stuck out to me was he mentioned when the NBA and the Hornets and, and you know, going through the rebranding effort and when they were going to have the, the Jumpman and the swoosh on the jersey, he said initially there were some talks about the Jumpman, obviously Michael Jordan's logo being on Bulls, Wizards and Hornets. Oh. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know how far down the line that was. I'm sure maybe it just been thrown out at a meeting, but considering the amount of weight that the Hornets put on that specific fact of them being the only team in professional sports and an NBA having that Jumpman logo when they did that launch, I just found that interesting. That would have taken a lot of their thunder away at the time, had it been with the bulls and, and, and the wizards, you know, it's not a huge thing <laughs> to most people, but like to me, the people that pay attention to the logos and the branding and stuff, um, I thought it was kind of a cool deal. It's certainly kind of amazing to think, again, that this guy played in the NBA, just now the owner of an NBA team, NBA team and, and has his logo on the jersey. Um, but from a Hornets perspective, I think they value that. So, so it would have been interesting, but I think it may be taken a slight hit for the Hornets if it had been spread out a little bit more. And, and, of course, they could go back to that at some point. But given the initial launch, it was such a big thing for them. But I thought that was interesting that other teams were in play.
2: They should put it on the Jazz jerseys, too, because he owned them.
3: Or they could put it on the Heat <laughs> jersey. They retired his number, right? So it only makes sense. That's a sick burn. burn. David Walker
1: <laughs> joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Once again, he will be joining us once the regular season starts up a little bit quick, or a little yes. here, a little bit here. And uh, but, but basically, what? Mid-September, we'll start doing daily hits. days. Yeah, and not, not too long. And Ooh. then... The season opener against the Milwaukee Bucks will be here, before you know it, in mid-October. And we'll be doing daily hits, and David will be doing weekly hits with his Sneak of the Week. So, David, we appreciate you hopping on and talking sneakers with us, man.
3: Absolutely, fellas. Hey, keep up the good work. Enjoy the downtime. Season is coming.
1: All right, once again, we appreciate David Walker joining us today. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We have podcasts on nearly every team in the NFL, NBA, MLB, and fantasy sports. Just search your podcast app for Locked On and your team to get more podcasts. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Our boy Nada wrote an article about Malik Monk. We'll talk about his transition from his rookie to his sophomore year, all on Locked On Hornets on the Locked On Podcast Network. Stick around and join us after the break.
3: This is Locked on Hornets.
2: And the Google description here says, On contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades, named or numbered, <laughs> B shares batik of New York, n.b.a. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The Yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C-. minus. Let's get them on.
3: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
1: If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as $1 a month. You can help us keep making the daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com L-O-H. There's a link in the description of this episode. Get double entries into our contests and access the content before anyone else. Patreon.com L-O-H. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. So as I teased before we went to break... Nada, got a chance to talk with Malik Monk, believe this weekend or Friday, right? Friday. Friday, you got a chance to talk with Malik Monk. And a fun dude. I had a chance to interview him, I believe, when he was drafted, uh, just for a little 15-minute hit for radio. And it seemed like a fun dude, Nada. How was your experience sitting down with Malik Monk for, I believe, half an hour, 45 minutes, something like that? Literally, it was about half
0: hour. I show up for a – and I find out it's a radio promotion. I thought it was just something he was doing for his own charity or whatever. It's a radio promotion. He's got like 12, 15 kids. And as I put in the story, he was literally just playing interference the whole <laughs> time so that the smallest kid in that game could win. And one of the things I didn't get to put in the article was that I had about a 15 minute window between when that game actually finished. And when that guy, when he actually sat down with me for the interview, because he took time to sign every single autograph. And the fact that he was such a gracious kid, like he was out there just playing. He was enjoying every single second of it. And the fact that he did all of that lets me know that, again, he's not this grounded kid. Very confident. Insanely confident but a very grounded kid. You
2: can
1: go to Uprocks.com. That's U-P-R-O-X-dot-com. And also, if you want to look for it, just look for Nada on Twitter, at Nada the Scribe. He's got it pinned on his wall. So again, his latest article, for dime Uprocks. Again, sitting down with Mod Monk, at Mod Monk, I should say, sitting down with Malik Monk. And a pretty cool story to read just about what's going through his mind, this transition that he's making from his rookie season to a sophomore season. And Nada, you mentioned something that was out of the article. I was going to ask you, after you sat down and put everything that you wanted to, the final edit that was released, what was one thing that you wish you would have either asked him but didn't have enough time to or something that you did the crowd, uh, also leave out?
0: The crowd, because I, if again, we've all been to Hornets games. The loudest ovation non-Kemba related was Malik Monk, and I forgot to ask him that. And That was one of the big things I did want to ask was how does that make you feel knowing that you were probably the most applauded Hornet, whenever you did anything, you could have dribbled the ball left. Crowd was go nuts. And the fact that I didn't get to ask him that was one of the big things. The other thing is it was hot out there because it wasn't one of the indoor courts where they were doing this. They were doing this over at Camp Green in the covered courts. And mind you, it's about 80-something, 90-something out there, and he's the only dude with a hoodie on.
1: Anything surprising that Malik Monk said to you?
0: Any. I would have thought that the D-League stint would have been the big thing that would have dampened his confidence. But no, it, again, it it didn't phase him.
2: Yeah, it doesn't seem like he he's someone that has his confidence phased very easily. I did like the the aspect of this article that discussed uh, how he views the veterans on this team. Kimball Walker, Cody Zeller, Marvin Williams, the props that he gave to those veterans for helping his development along. And I think with the addition of Tony Parker, again, if Malik Monk ends up being a star or he lives up to his full potential, there will be someone, whether it be Nada or someone else, writing articles about how Malik Monk had great veteran leadership. And I know he wanted to go to New York. I think that was a well documented. I mean he Well he thought he was going there too. He thought he was going. No. That that at least as much we can say. But I don't know that he would have gotten that same kind of veteran leadership there with the Knicks that he's gotten no, in Charlotte.
0: Absolutely not. And I've, again, I've talked about this on this show before with Donovan Mitchell, who credits Joe Johnson and Rodney Hood, where he credits that veteran leadership. And it's one of those reasons when we won't go, go down this tangent again, but why Philly teams like Philly are anomalies per se, because the most excited guy in the room when Tony Parker got signed was Malik Monk. He told me exactly when Tony Parker was gonna come in. He was trying to learn everything from Tony Parker. And if that's gonna make that should make every Hornets fan feel really, really comfortable with where Malik Monk is and where Malik Monk thinks he is in the NBA, in just basically in the landscape of the NBA.
1: And Doug mentioned it just there and, and Nada, you write quote, Monk credits veterans like Kimba Walker, Cody Zeller, and Marvin Williams for helping him get up to speed in the NBA and Williams particularly for helping solidify what an NBA player is supposed to do between games and in the offseason. And Nada, you would also go on to write, quote, of course, from his quote, mm-hmm. not everyone can be the first and last to leave, but try to be early as you can. Monk says, put in that work early. I mean, Williams will be here for three hours. I beat him to the gym one time. It was like seven. He got in at like 705, but I barely beat him. And he was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, young blood. So Marvin Williams, to me, it's kind of funny to see that he credits Kemba, Cody, but also Marvin because man you hear Marvin Williams name every single time anybody talks about the veteran leadership for this team and maybe his contract is a little bit too much for him as far as the value he gives you out there on the court every single night but it's tough And I know the cliche is is always thrown out there for some of this veteran leadership that guys bring, but it seems like Marvin is at least worth it in that regard where players respect him so much and the guy is just a joy to be around. And yet here's another example where Malik Monk is crediting Marvin as much as anybody for his development in the NBA. And that's
0: exactly where I would be going with this. Not all signings are basically on-the-court signings. You need those guys, you need those veterans per se to make sure that when you have those young guys – You have a Miles Bridges, you have a Dwayne Bacon, a Malik Monk, Devontae Graham. You need to show people how to work. The one name that I didn't highlight enough was Cody Zeller. Apparently, Cody Zeller is taking on that Marvin role of teaching these kids how to work. And if you're going to do that, and if Marvin made that much of an impression on Cody, then this locker room, when Marvin moves on, and who knows if he just retires or he goes and plays another couple of years somewhere else, that kind of stability is invaluable. And I don't think we appreciate it nearly as much as we do.
1: Yeah, talking uh, with Nada here about his article on Malik Monk, Dime up rocks Again, you can find his article if you go to his Twitter account at Nada the Scribe, and he's got that Pete Twin right at the top of his feed. So again, you can click on that and get easy access to the article there. It's great stuff.
2: Can I go back to the discussion that we were having with David Walker on the NBA and loosening the restrictions on the shoes for just a moment? Sure. Mm-hmm. Props to the NBA for continuing to contrast itself with the National Football League. I don't think that got mentioned enough, that this loosening of the the restrictions, letting players express themselves on the court through fashion is such a contrast to the, the NFL guidelines on these kind of things, which are extremely restrictive. And a lot of football players complain about not being able to market themselves like NBA players. And a lot of that has to do with the league.
1: Yeah. Well, the NFL wasn't, and we can all remember here in Carolina, D'Angelo Williams wanted to wear cleats to support the fight against breast cancer because his mom battled with breast cancer and the NFL, because of their cleat restrictions, didn't let him do it. And this is somebody that wanted to do it. And it doesn't seem like there's really all that much to go against, you know, letting him wear the cleats that he wants to wear and they wouldn't let him do it. And then we talk about again with this. Now we had a deep show last time. I was trying to keep it light, but again, you're right. Like there is a certain relationship that the NBA has with its players, and you know it, it's easily it's easily seen once again here that finally the NBA is letting these guys completely. Pretty much wear whatever color they want to do so on on their sneakers, and the NFL still has those type of tight restrictions because their relationship with the players just isn't good.
2: And the NBA is trying to do things that contrast themselves with the NFL because the NFL is still the top dog, right? The NBA has to compete with the NFL, where the NFL doesn't have to compete with anyone so they can make whatever restrictions they want. Now, when this Ebersol League finally gets Mm -hmm. off the ground, will the NFL be forced... To differentiate itself and to uh, basically go back to the bargaining table on some of these tight issues that they've had with the players. Who knows?
0: I I would absolutely believe they would. And the other thing is I would point out, I'm not sure if they're trying to differentiate themselves just from the NFL. I think they're trying to do it from baseball because baseball lets the players do it for like a weekend, and it was probably some of the most fun yet gaudy jerseys I have ever seen with this players-only weekend that they did, I want to say, last weekend. but the f- They're still
2: playing baseball?
1: Yes, they're still playing baseball. <laughs> what is that? I know. What is that thing? Exactly. That baseball. That's crazy talk. Uh, and you look at what the NBA is doing. I mean, you're talking about them differentiating themselves from every single league. It's just, you know, people, again, as we've mentioned here with the Charlotte Hornets every time, it's been a hot word the past couple of episodes that we've had, but why fight nostalgia, man? I mean, we're, we're talking about the Hornets, and we're talking about the NBA players And the NBA team starting to go to different jerseys, some classic jerseys. You know, there's a reason that the '90s NBA jerseys are so beloved, and these teams are wearing some throwback stuff. Like I can go to the Indiana Pacers where they're wearing jerseys about the Hickory Hoosiers, right? Yeah. Like I mean, it's it's fun to see them actually incorporate pop culture into their jerseys. Where you know, let the Carolina Panthers do that. I mean, you know, they ain't doing it. No. The coolest thing they did was try the Madden jerseys, where they had the blue tops and the black bottoms, and but at least they tried it, It and that was 50, 50 split. Right, it was, but it was some groundbreaking thing that they had a different color scheme, that it wasn't crazy. And here the NBA is incorporating basketball jerseys into their movie basketball jerseys into their regular wardrobe. And here's the Hornets representing their 30th anniversary, going back to a classic court. Like, I mean, the NBA just does so much more that feeds into what fans always want. And you have to commend them for it because they're giving the people what they want. And it's what's getting more people involved more into the association.
0: Can I add one little postscript to this yes, story, sure. to my story? When I told Doug because the quote didn't make it, but when I talked about when I talked about going to Chapel Hill with Malik Monk. And I told Doug about the quote cuz again, he go I mentioned Chapel Hill, he immediately says 50. Doesn't even give me a chance to react. He says 50. You should have seen the look on Doug's face. He got
1: so indignant because he's like, you know what? We won the tournament game. That's all that matters. Well, what's interesting is—is is that's right. Like Malik Monk, he did drop forty-seven. It was an amazing game, yes. but that was then the he part. lost like one of the bigger heartbreakers of his career. Like maybe the biggest heartbreaker he'll ever suffer. We can hope so. I mean, well, we can we'll we'll hope so. We we'll we'll can hope about so. his Hornets career, but you know, Luke May shot like that's funny that it's the fifty that comes to mind, right? Like. And it's interesting that it's the last game that he played in college and –
2: Tournament dubs. And yeah, tournament uh, so dub.
1: Hey, rings culture, baby. <laughs> you know the North, North Carolina went on to good, win that day. Good thing. God. Y- yeah. Again, we're not going to get into rings culture. This will y- be a 90-minute podcast. I know that's your favorite topic of discussion. We are coming to you from the Gethember.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gethember.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We're going to make uh, take a quick break. We come back. I did a podcast with Josh Lloyd, who is part of the Locked On family, does the Locked On Fantasy battle basketball podcast and we'll talk about some of the stuff that we had to talk about on his show and also we do have what number are we on now are we on 10 uh we are getting to the top 10 i believe it's the top 10 charlotte beers of all time now and the top 10 charlotte hornets of all time so we've got all that on the other side of the break walker mail not edwards doug branson you're listening to locked on hornets
3: You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast.
1: The one draft pick you hit on was Kimba Walker, and you, you drafted Bismack Biyombo before him. Oh! You got it right the second time, which is great. I am the smart. It's But you drafted Biombo before Kimba Walker. So, <laughs> again, you almost messed that one up as well.
3: It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast.
1: Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets and on Facebook, facebook.com slash hornets. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branson, L O H and nada at nada the scribe so once again i mentioned this heading to break that i was on the locked on fantasy basketball podcast and i'm not exactly sure when that is going to be released but josh lloyd the host of that podcast doing a team preview of every single team in the nba and it just so happened to be our turn to appear on it you can find josh lloyd on twitter at red rock underscore ball and again he'll I think he's going to promote. I think he's going to put that out there on the uh, podcast app and wherever you get your podcast. I think he's going to put that out there after the Golden State team preview that I think was just released by him. But it was a fun conversation, about a 45 minute conversation, and you have to fill something out before you go on it. Just you know, some small, simple questions. Which guy is the most likely guy to get traded? What do you think the record's going to be? Who's going to be the top scorer? Some fantasy significant stuff for anybody looking to draft some Charlotte Hornets to their team possibly this year. And we we answered some of that and also went in depth on a lot of things. And one thing, you know, Josh Lloyd was asking a lot about was just James Borrego's impact that he's going to have with this team and exactly the fast paced offensive style that he's going to implement, which we've talked about quite a bit. You know, he has hammered home that they are going to play defense, but with James Borrego coming in, something we've discussed quite a bit as well, was how are those rotations going to look? And it was interesting to hear him, a guy that, of course, is focusing on the entire landscape of the NBA, what he was worried about, what the rotations are going to look like with Borrego, and he was leaning more towards MKG kind of losing some significant minutes within this rotation. I agree. And I would would have to agree. And you have Miles Bridges being the first-round pick now, obviously a guy that you would think is going to contribute immediately because there were some other guys with higher ceilings, but Miles Bridges was their pick because Mitch Kupchak has admitted it's somebody that can step on the court and help right now. We also talked about where Miles Bridges fits. Three, four, again, not a me and you, we both think he's more of a four than yeah. a three, just has trouble staying in front of guys defensively when they're driving to the rack, and you can see that it was a little bit of a problem in summer league, although we started to work on it on the back couple of games of that end. And who's going to lose it? Frank Kaminsky, Marvin Williams, Miles Bridges, MKG. You know, you're talking about those four guys and who's going to lose out on some significant minutes. And Doug, you know, we win MKG as the guy that's probably going to be on the outside looking in simply because if they're looking to stretch the floor as well, which Borrego has talked about, MKG doesn't give you anything as far as that goes.
2: And I think it's less about stretching the floor and more about how much significance they've placed on player development and how attached that is to... James Borrego and the plans that he has for the future of this team. James Borrego has hitched his wagon to Malik Monk. And so if you don't see Malik Monk make the kind of strides next season that that James Borrego expects him to, that fans expect him to, that ownership expects him to and i think that could that that could mean some deep trouble for the 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 future of the brego era moving forward. so i think there's a lot of pressure on youth development and i think that they're going to give more minutes to some of these younger players.
1: and we talked about the fantasy value of these guys and malik monk obviously a hot topic because it's somebody that could be Uh, a player that jumped significantly up into his sophomore year into the NBA. So he was asking a lot about Malik Monk. And again, that's something I mentioned where Borrego, as soon as he had that introductory press conference after being named the Charlotte Hornets coach, Malik Monk along probably Kemba Walker, but Malik Monk was probably the name you heard most out of his mouth because it is important to this organization that he be developed into the player they thought he could be when they drafted him 11 overall.
0: He finished strong though, and it's one of those things where he was shooting. I want to say plus again. He was he finished the season last six games, f- shooting forty eight percent from the field. I think that matters. I also think Malik starts, but that's another discussion. over
1: Jeremy Lamb because that was a conversation we had. I do it, believe it was- he starts. See, I go Jeremy Lamb at first, but I wouldn't be surprised if Malik Monk starts because Borrego, again, as Doug put it, has hitched his wagon to the development of him. I guess I wouldn't be surprised, but I do put Jeremy Lamb there first with Malik Monk getting a lot of significant minutes just because I think, you know, I guess defensively, if they're going to defend, like Borrego has harped on as well, you know, Lamb just makes more sense alongside Kemba. But you're right. I mean, if there is some playmaking there, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Malik I, Monk is the guy that goes out there week uh, I, game one.
0: I think Malik will come out in preseason, and I don't think he'll give Borrego an option. I think he's that prepared for this season.
2: And on the flip side of what I said previously, if Malik comes out and whether it's off the bench or in a starting role and plays excellently – then all the credit's going to go to Borrego. It's going to. No one's sure. going to look back on the Clifford era and say, "Well, you know, he really benefited from that time that he spent on the bench." Well, they'll which use it ironically. As, am- he did. Well,
1: well, they'll and they'll view and they'll use that as ammo against Steve Clifford and as praise towards James Borrego. And by the way, Josh Lloyd, not a big Steve Clifford fan in his tenure with the Charlotte Hornets, discussing Malik Monk. Specifically for a lot of that, and also we talked about the value of Jeremy Lamb, who Josh Lloyd thinks is a very good value in fantasy basketball this season. I believe Yahoo Sports had him ranked. I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it was something like a hundred and seventh, something along those lines, and maybe yeah. maybe maybe something like that. But Josh Lloyd th- you know thinks that Jeremy Lamb could be viewed a little bit higher, valued a little bit higher. And we were discussing the Jeremy Lamb and Malik Monk style of play this season and what they could bring. And he also mentioned Steve Clifford would unnecessarily punish Jeremy Lamb for some of the oh, miscues that I, he would have on the court. I I've
2: well, I mean, vehemently disagree with that. How many points in fantasy basketball do you get for playing defense? Right.
1: You don't get any. Okay.
2: Just checking. Yeah. Well, and then that well, and was, the, the comment from Clifford always was on Lamb. Is you know there was a game against the Bulls where he where he started in place of Nick Batum and he had twenty five or twenty six points. Right. And or, or he had yeah you know, it was a it was yeah. a career high at the time. And they asked him how <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lamb did it. He said, "Played well offensively."
1: Yeah, right. No, he's making the point. That's what I'm going to miss about Steve. He, and I, you know, James Borrego seems like a great interview right now. I mean, he seems at least he seems fun right now when everything is going well for you. You don't have a losing record. You don't have any kind of record. But I am going to miss the candid Steve Clifford, where yeah. he was going to give you whatever was on his mind. Like here comes Jeremy Lamb scoring. Uh, and having a good game offensively but he was not going to give him any praise in that regard because he was so bad defensively sometimes and he would make some bonehead there were a couple of games where like Jeremy Lamb was the scapegoat and now Steve wouldn't just throw him under the bus and say that's the reason we lost the game but he was not happy with Jeremy and I think last year you saw him take a big step obviously
0: yeah and the big thing and I remember if we're talking about Jeremy Lamb's miscues I remember the Cleveland game. They were in Cleveland. Jeremy Lamb's mental lapses kind of cost them that game. And granted, it's Cleveland. They probably weren't going to win anyway. But of all the things I remember about Jeremy Lamb, that would probably be like the defensive lapses are what bothered me the most. Sure.
1: So Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk, two guys that we could see have big roles in this James Borrego offense. And uh, maybe Jeremy Lamb takes another step, and certainly you hope Malik Monk does. All right, we'll switch gears now to the— 10th top 10 Charlotte beer of all time. We here. Doug, let's start with the beer.
2: What do you got for us today? All right, number 10. Good morning, Vietnam. Oh, geez. New drop today? (laughs) The other one. (laughs) Wooden Robot, available year-round. Head brewer Dan Wade created this blonde ale with coffee and vanilla, and it's as distinct and easy to drink as any beer in town.
1: Good good beer. I've had very that one. Very good beer. like that beer a lot. That's one. We're starting to get in the top ten. I hope that I would have tried most of these out. Good Morning Vietnam is a very good beer. It's a very good beer. I'm just more
0: happy that it's actually right. available year-round.
1: I would imagine that would be the biggest thing, the biggest factor that you liked it. Yes. All right. So now we'll go to the top ten for the Charlotte Hornets. Top third all-time Hornets that I've got in front of me here. We've gone Green. through 20. Do you want to do a recap of what we've done so far? Let's do it. 30th, Jason Richardson. Still too low. 29th, Marvin Williams. Still too low. 28th, Kenny Gaddison. Still too high. 27th, PJ Brown. Uh, 26th, okay. Steven Jackson. Okay. 25th, Raymond Felton, your boy. Too 24th, high. Johnny Newman. Okay. 23rd, Kelly Trapuca. I'm running out of breath. I'm not going to do this. No 22nd, Derek Coleman. 21st, Matt Geiger, also your boy. 20th, Vlade Divac. 19th, Hersey Hawkins. 18th, Eldon Campbell. 17th, Rex Chapman. 16th, Bobby Fills. 15th, Doug, your boy, Jamal Mashburn. Still too low. 14th, David Wesley. Mm -hmm. 13th, Emeka Okafor. Ain't that bad. 12th, Eddie Jones. And 11th, Kendall Gill, which brings us to number 10. And the 10th best Charlotte Hornet slash Bobcat of all time is Mr. Al, Big Al Jefferson. Climbing up to the top 10, a personal favorite of mine, helping a huge part in leading them to the playoffs one year and also being a guy that had an All-NBA credit to his career here mm-hmm. in Charlotte. Go to your thoughts first. What do you think of Al being number 10 all time?
0: I don't hate it. I think he's apt appropriately rated I can also make a case that he might be like seven but as we've discussed before difference between seven and ten is really not that big I like it I think he's very underrated in the aspect of bringing legitimacy back to Charlotte I think right. that's a big thing that we do not talk about No, you're right and again big Al's paint that'll always stay with me great
1: marketing there. scheme from yeah. Charlotte by the way love that
2: once saw Al Jefferson in the Apple Store at Northlake Mall, and he told the, the attendant asked him what he would like, and he just said, "Don't give me that rose gold."
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's good enough to be top ten for you.
2: Personal favorite
1: of yours, Doug. Right? Like you loved yourself some Big Al, didn't you?
2: I liked Big Al because I like players that you can just throw the ball into, and you you know they're going to score. I mean that it, it was so definitive when you gave the ball to Al Jefferson that during that uh, all NBA stretch uh, he was just so, you could count on him so much to get a basket, and I just love those kind of players.
1: Al Jefferson would be higher on this list had he given us more than probably a year and a half, maybe two years of, of good production, but yeah. that one year was special from him. You mentioned bringing legitimacy back to Charlotte as far as the basketball landscape yeah. goes. I mean, he was awesome getting a third All-NBA team selection in 2013-2014 as a member of the Bobcats. Exactly. A couple of years with the Hornets, but as a member of the Bobcats, did such a good job. And Al Jefferson, pretty much for his career, he averaged 22 points per game that season, went down to 17 the next, went down to 12 the next before he would sign a deal with the Indiana Pacers and move up north. But it's somebody that really contributed here a a lot for the Charlotte Hornets, and I didn't want to put him up too high because you are talking about some guys with hardware, you are talking about some guys with a good deal of longevity and production for this team, Mm -hmm. but talking about a guy that just played here three years and was healthy for two of them, and had such a big impact. It's high for what he did, and it's well appreciated.
0: It's I don't I think again the accomplishments in three years. You can I can name a whole bunch of guys that he's probably out accomplished in that three year stretch. No, it it was and a good three year stretch. Make a case he's the best center in Charlotte
1: Hornets history. Well, I I would not over Zoe. I, I would put it over-Zo. No, not would, a, I would, I would he's not over he's Zoe. not better than zo. Al Jefferson was fantastic. And I don't want to go too deep, but Alonzo Mourning was like Alonzo Mourning's a Hall of Famer. I agree. Alonzo Morning's I, an All Star with this team. The
0: only thing that ever kept B- Big Al Jefferson back from being a Hall of Famer is injuries. If we're really honest about it. Well, hey, and
2: man. let's mention this too: that Al Jefferson saved the Charlotte Hornets during that series against the second series against the Miami Heat mm-hmm. that went to seven games.
1: No, Al, Al had some some fantastic performances for us here in Charlotte and that's why I don't you're making me go against Al in this and this was supposed to be an embrace of him in his time in Charlotte you wanted to just go too far you just go too far Nada and I wanted to stay home I wanted to be comfortable with my 10th ranking and now you're saying he's the best center of all time like I can't do that to Zoe uh,
0: I can I will, and you know what? <laughs> That's fine. Y'all know the at. Y'all know where to get at. <laughs> Not on Twitter. Y'all yeah, can get in we, his. Now mentions.
2: we've discovered the true reason right. why he just drop that opinion exactly why is that he wanted the he oh, wanted, he wanted the to mention him right
1: right well if if you want to check out the article i'm mad at him now but the article is good so you can check that out but also while you're there and checking that out make sure you give him hell for saying that al jefferson is the best center of all time like, i said could, could be i didn't
0: uh, say uh, you you just here said here you here
1: were here gonna say we go. hey i have to stay with my mentions when i give an answer you have to stick with yours okay you have to stick with it Get him, everybody. Get him, everybody listening here. Thanks for listening to Locked on Hornets here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked on Hornets. I'm Walker Mayo, alongside Nod Edwards and Doug Branson. We'll talk to you again next week.